Welcome to the Perth Roundtable, where we bring together our team to discuss and share their unique perspectives and insights on various topics related to powerlifting. Whether you're an athlete looking to improve your performance or a coach looking to gain insight and understanding, our podcast segments will offer valuable information and viewpoints from the team at Perth to help you reach your full potential. So come and join us as we explore the world of performance with our team on the Perth Roundtable. Hi everyone, welcome to Perth Roundtable. Today we've got with us Sam, Steve and Kelly and myself. And today we want to explore a bit more into size differences in programming and how it might feel for an athlete and the things that a coach might be considering. So Kelly coaches Sam, so she knows his program very well and Steve coaches me. So each each of the coaches have an understanding and they think about recovery very differently between Sam and I. Um, I I want to put it onto Steve and Kelly. How would you guys explain, um, you know, the size differences in terms of how we would lead you to program for us? Steve, you can start. Okay, so me working with you, obviously, I know you're generally your recoverability is quite fast. Uh, we can work at maximal loads quite frequently as well. We don't have to really work on the lower end, um, especially when we started out. Uh, I know of late it hasn't been as much, but that's because you've also become a high-level lifter as well. You're lifting more. But I know leverage-wise, you also pull sumo, compared, which is different to Sam as well, which is conventional. Uh, just general recoverability in yourself, I know, is much quicker than Sam's. Just, you know, we're talking about overall muscle mass size, uh, everything, really. Um, it's quicker. So you can handle and tolerate a lot more volume, higher intensities, and just generally more, more, you know, uh, accessories as well. If we can't get something out of comp stimulus, uh, just by comp lifting, I know that you can you can do a lot more accessories, uh, lower and upper body, and be fine. And especially with the way that you are so technically proficient in your bench as well, uh, you can you can handle a lot, a lot. Uh, probably you're you're probably who I hand uh program the most bench press out of all my athletes I believe. Uh, but that could change over time. Uh, but that's also based on your size as well. Yeah. I Is think there anything if we need Kelly now into Sam? Yeah. Is there any? I just got a question for you with that. Is there any um when you're designing new macros or looking at the ordering of uh, exercises for Danny does <clears throat> does interference uh is it on a lower um what do you call it you know how you've got like to worry and not to worry I can't remember can't think of the word um is interference less of uh something that you need to take into consideration when you're designing the micro or do you take yes and no um yeah. because I know that adaptations take place regardless Yep, uh, and sometimes we want someone of Danny's size and stature to have that kind of masked fatigue when he comes into a session as well. Yeah, uh, we did revert away from that uh, not too long ago. It it was more like it was almost back to back on some of the sessions. Yeah, uh, but then we we came to I wanted him to start to feel fresher on one of his days as well. So we we moved a couple of things around. Yep, uh, and just because I think. We almost 
ran out of room where to go uh, with what we were running for such a long time that now we've had to make a, a few changes to try and find uh, this stimulus that's going to really, really, really kickstart things again. Yep. So you kind of think you were relying on fatigue for the stimulus and now you can't as much anymore. So you're going to have to put things in different places to see if you can get the adaptations from not just being fatigued. Yeah. And there's, there's one thing to note with Danny is he's an extreme outlier with super compensation as well. Yeah, yeah, you've said that before. Yeah, uh, especially when we first started. I know uh, he would squat, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, but it was something like 200 to 205 in training and then come out on the platform and squat 10 to 15 kilos more. Yeah. Which is especially for someone, someone his size is something you would never expect and something that goes, you're going onto the platform and it's very unpredictable because it's, Something he's never loaded before as well. Yeah. And the size of the of the person also comes into play then. And like it was really kind of hard in a way to to be able to understand why this was happening. But he his would just generate enough fatigue and be able to be submaximal in a sense that when we washed out a little bit, he yeah. would supercompensate and just be a freak, really. Yeah. yeah. So I guess at times I'm um sort of like a heavyweight in the sense where I hold on to a lot of fatigue and it's mastering training. But then when when it comes time to taper, I would be able to perform and have that super compensation effect much like a like a heavyweight, right? Yeah. 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 Which is which is rare. It's it's not something that's extremely common, especially not in that in that lighter weight class. But we did have days to pull from which would suggest that that could happen. Um because I think I remember, you know, if we if we go all the way back when you went to are that commercial gym and you you squatted that huge set of five. Yep, 190 for five, something like that. 190 for five, and that would suggest that, yeah, you could squat 210 to 215, really, if if we're if you were to load it up. But then uh, your main day and that week, you you weren't really getting 10 kilos more than that on your single mm. at, at yeah. a higher RPE. Mm. Yeah. So I guess if you were to describe, because Danny, you know, is a 66 and you you do have a lot of smaller people if you were just to describe um their fatigue uh and and how you how you think of their fatigue compared to large people what what are a couple of words that you would say uh like i said it's the the fatigue is should be minimal usually uh to generate it we need a lot yeah and yeah. recoverability is quite high more yeah. worried about detraining than overtraining yeah yeah okay cool well i guess you want to explain sam's yeah well it's literally the complete opposite really yeah um so um i guess with sam it's more of uh there's larger interference between deadlifts and squats so we have to be very careful and bench really because of his leverages it's not just size it's very tall as well so, you know, for someone who is a 120 who isn't as tall, it would be a little bit different. But because he is so tall, we have to think about the um, the distance travelled on the bar um, mostly as well. So it's making sure that the squats and the deadlifts are far enough away from each other that they don't um, interfere with each other as much and making sure that he's going into each session fresh enough to be able to perform that is the biggest difference and also overall volume throughout the week um 
finding the stronger the stronger that, that he's getting the least amount that he needs. So it's more about knowing when to put in the volume and then when to strip the volume away to get that super compensation effect. Yeah. If you get okay. what I'm saying. So, so yeah, I guess and then the... monitoring, 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 what's that word? Monitoring. monitoring. <laughs> <laughs> making sure, making sure fatigue is under control, mostly has to be under control. And yeah. I think that is a good, I think that's also got to do with distance traveled mostly. Um, because if you go into the sesh, squat session on Friday and still carrying fatigue from the week, it slows down really quickly because of your size, because of the height. Uh, whereas if, you know, you've got your 120s who are quite small, like short, who'd be able to handle that a bit easier. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah the, big, the biggest thing like that would show that, I guess, with my kind of program would be my pause squat. You know, yeah. like my, my pause squat has probably stayed around 200 for like a year now. But yeah. My primary squat has gotten stronger. I find like even within a block, like on that secondary squat day, it'll start, you know, around 190, 195. Yep. By week three and four, I'll find I should be able to put more on the bar. But at that point, I'm also deadlifting more as well, which which also yep. tanks that secondary day. So yeah. I find like just block to block, week to week, it ends up just staying the same. But mm -hmm. it means that I'm coming in fresher for mm -hmm. my primary squat day. Yeah, I see. The, I think the mine's a. <clears throat> sorry. Thing, the trickiest thing is being able to get the taper right. Yeah, I think yeah, a direct comparison between my program and Sam's is like on the secondary day, how you mentioned yours stays the same throughout the block. Mine, mm. mine almost progresses equally the same as much as my primary day. So there's less distinction between what's a secondary and a primary day. So yeah. if I'm if I'm stronger on on a secondary day early in the week. I can also predict yeah. that by the time it gets to the end of week, I'm also going to be quite strong as well. Considering yeah. I stay within the program, like say if I feel strong at RP seven, it's still going to be like plus five kilos. Right. Um, but obviously if I overshoot it, then there's still fatigue involved, but mm. generally it's still progressing upwards alongside that primary day. Yeah. Um, I, I want to, I think the main thing that we look out for then between coaches is like, we use size as a proxy for how well someone's going to recover, right? So that that's just one of the factors. And so obviously for someone that is larger, they're going to be moving more weight, most likely over more distance. And so you need to be more careful in a sense with dosing, training out and spacing it out, make sure everything is dialed in. So I yeah. guess Sam needs to be, I guess, much more responsible in order to continue progressing versus myself. That's not to say like, a smaller lifter can be irresponsible, but there's less margin of error for a lighter lifter, right? So Steve has more, he has more options to play with as well in terms of programming in that sense, because I recover so quickly, he has, he has ranges between like, you know, one rep all the way to eight reps because yeah. I'm more technically efficient and all those things associated with being a smaller lifter, like since we can handle more, he can dose more, knowing that we I'll still recover from whatever he puts on the program. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, even us taking away one set from block two to block three for his, one set and one rep has yielded huge results with the recovery. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
for for Sam. So like it's only one set. Yeah. For sure. And also on that on that like margin for error, like if I go to at eight or eight and a half for a primary squat on like week two and three, and my squat slows down, like it might might look quick, but it will feel slower for me, then I'm done. Yeah. Like yeah. Then, then week then week four, like I've got nothing left. So I really have to time yeah. when I'm hitting that kind of eight, eight and a half squat. Yeah. And it has to be at the end of the block because if I hit it too early, then I just can't recover from it, just from the, the distance traveled and the load up to my back. Yeah. Yeah. I think moving forward, we're going to be playing with low jumps to try and time it a little bit more for his squat. Like we've got the deadlift time down really well now, um, but it's definitely the next step to make it better for for Sam's program is timing his low jumps and how much he can low jump per week, holding back at the start of the block and then really expressing at the end of the block um, yep. because it's quite a linear progress. But we're still going to get results from this next, from this peak coming up, but it's not it's going to run out because there's too much fatigue accumulated at the start of the block. Yeah. You know, even talking okay. about weak zeros and stuff like that. I see. I think even, well, like looking at when training's going well for myself, Steve, like when I'm hitting my heavy singles and things like that, I could start quite heavy and I'm only taking like two and a half or five kilo jumps week to week. And it's even hard from that first week and I'm still building adaptations. Yeah. Um, yeah which is completely different to Sam's approach where he he needs to, like it's almost necessary to have that huge runway so you can have like one one solid crack at it by the end of the block I think That's as 66 yeah. or like lighter lifters it's like yeah just just keep pushing and hope that the adaptations roll through as you're training hard mm. there's mm. some outliers though like with um uh with Meg she's only got one chance too she needs that big runway as well but that could be her strength at her size too yeah um we've tried tried uh to work at high intensity for her which would be thinking that that's what she would be able to respond to but it didn't work yeah like at the same time although size is a very good proxy it's not it's not like the main thing right like we only use it as a as a like a guide or an indicator for us to begin with starting a program but it's not the be or end or mm. all right yeah for sure so i guess in a sense like smaller lifters obviously can handle a lot more intensity mm. well pretty much everything intensity volume frequency all at the same time mm. um, and can sustain that for a longer period of time versus heavier weight lifters will need to start more sub-maximal and slowly build up over time um, mm. in order to have a maximal performance, right? And this is at the end of the day, in order to get that that top-end strength expression, right? Because I could run the same program that Sam runs and I could take it really, really sub-maximal um, the exact same way. Like, although I'm saying that I'm, I'm staying pretty maximal throughout the whole block, I still am like starting light and getting heavier over time, but it's not to the extent that Sam's going. It's like, you know, 20 or 30% difference from where he starts and where he ends, right? And yeah, so... we're going to start playing with starting even lighter. Yeah. 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 So like this block, you know, we started it on squat like 265 and I'm going to end around 310. But that, 260, that 265 might even or we're thinking it might even still be too heavy for that week one. And although that sounds 
really, really light as a percentage or just as a total load, um, it's, yeah, we're thinking it's still even too heavy for the start of the block. Um, and then I'm carrying fatigue into week two, into week three, yeah. purely just from that first single being too heavy. Yeah. It's all about yeah, the back downs too, right? If the back downs, you know, get too heavy as well, like too heavy to too heavy too quickly. If the back downs get too heavy in week three of five, if we plan to run five, it's between yeah. one five now, then it's game over. So yeah. it's finding where to start those back downs. Yeah. As well. Whereas we almost have Danny can run, you know, we can run multiple uh higher intensity top sets at the start of the week to set him up for later on in the week. Yeah. Right? So like we we have a single early in the week and then we have a single later in the week as well on just his yeah. squat. Uh, if we talk about his deadlift, we've started blocks at, you know, um, 95% or something like that. Yeah. Super high. Uh, yeah. And just been able to run it through that. Yeah. So if you even look at the percentage of that start, Sam, like if you're going to go off that training max of 307 and a half, that's 86%. Yeah, so it's that's still high yeah, as a percentage. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to picture like what would happen if I ran Sam's program and what would happen if Sam ran my program. You'd get like perc- percentage wise. <laughs> I'd get a man flu. Everything, <laughs> everything would feel really heavy really quickly, Danny. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do we want by to week real- by week two need to deload? Yeah, you are. You You're deloading every week. Whereas old mate's going to be in the red. <laughs> Real quick, um, you touched on just recent uh, before Steve. It's something that both you and I have been doing, and I don't know if you guys, because I haven't seen your programs, have been running the single at the start of the week and then a single or a double at the start of the week, and then a single at the end of the week for for smaller lifters. Um, do you want to talk about that, Steve, and why we why we would do that? Because I do that for a fair few of my really small people now. Okay, so. It's almost in a thought process where we're, if they're small enough to recover fast enough. And if we think about something like bench press where we are running multiple singles a week, where we have yeah. this like separate micro cycle within a micro cycle, we can almost do the same with a smaller lifter with their squat or their deadlift or, or yeah. both. Yeah. So if we can run, you know, we're running a single start of the week and the end of the week, uh, it's like we have these two kind of micro cycles laid out in the week be able to to blend it in to see which day ends up uh, performing better. This creates like a predictability sense in what we're going to run in their taper as well, which is uh, what we've been talking about quite a lot lately in terms of like bench press and how, you know, this day is turning up stronger. It's in the middle of the week. How am I going to transfer this to, to the weekend when they're competing or something? But all that is is acknowledging what they're doing prior to that day and then you can easily just write that moving into a competition. Uh, so it, it in a sense sets them up, but it's yep. if the the first day ends up becoming what we would call like the primary day or the stronger feeling day, then all we know is that our taper strategy is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. So we don't need to worry about so much the one day feeling stronger than the other anymore. We need to work around what feels stronger and taper it from that. Yeah. I like that thinking. It's It's just a lot. It's probably more predictable than just being like okay we need we want this day to be strong yeah. all the time whereas if we have multiple days to pick from yeah it removes that that margin of error um mm-hmm. to be able to especially if 
say I lay Danny's primary squat day on a Friday, but he, he competes on a Saturday, I have to then adjust his whole taper week back a day to kind of uh, like just, just make that kind of work on that day. Whereas if I can get Danny strong on, you know, a, a Monday and a Friday, and, and he's has a, he has a if he was doing a third squat day and he has that on like a Wednesday, we know there's just X amount of days that he needs to be able to recover from to be fine. Mm. It's very interesting. I think that's a whole new roundtable topic. Tapering. Yeah, that's that's a complete different tangent that we're about to go down. <laughs> um, but um, I guess I guess we could close it off there. Uh, I think we covered size very well, and I guess next time if we do run another on our next round table we can go through tapering and predictability yeah sounds good different different strategies different strategies it's not all about which days are strongest anymore strategious yeah (laughs) strategious all right thanks guys thanks